Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to another edition of Turned Out a Punk. I'm your host, Damien Abraham, and once again, I am bringing you a conversation with someone who grew up listening to punk, may or may not still be involved in punk, but had their life changed by the genre in a major way. And today on the show, this might be the best goddamn episode of this podcast ever. I have not one, but two former guests coming back for a part two, but it's almost a prequel. More on that in a second, but today's guests are Zach Blair and MVP. Two people I don't think you ever thought would be on the show together. And more on that in a second. But first, if you want to get in touch with me, head over to DamienAbraham.com. There's an email address there you can use to get in touch with me at. You can also find me on various forms of social media at Left for Damien. You can also head over to Facebook.com. There's a Turned Out a Punk Facebook page. You can like that page. Send them a message. It's run by my brother, Tristan Abraham. He'll get the message to me. You can also go over to Tumblr.com and you can follow the turnedoutapunk.tumblr.com page. And that way, if you don't use Facebook, you'll see all the stuff that we get submitted to the show that people send in and, and other things that we find and we post up on the Facebook page. We also post them over there on the Tumblr page. And if you would like to support this show, the best way to do that is by, well, first of all, telling all your friends. But if you use iTunes, go to iTunes, subscribe to this podcast, write a review, rate it, and that would be awesome. That really helps out this podcast. How? I still don't really know, but it does. That's what I've learned from listening to enough of these podcasts. And while you're on iTunes, you will notice that there are a lot of other adjacent podcasts to this podcast that um, uh, uh, you know, fit in the Turned Out of Punk little uh, universe we're creating over here. First of all, there is Turned Out of Punk Footnotes, which is run by myself and my good friend Chris O'Toole run by, I guess, hosted by. Uh, and each week we dissect an episode of Turned Out of Punk. This week, right now, the one that is currently up, not the one about this episode, the one that's up before this episode dropped, is a incredible, super episode 100 Turned Out of Punk footnote special where we're joined by David Up from Tear It Up, former guest, and our good friend and regular footnotes contributor, Dave Martin. And we kind of go through 
uh, the first 100 episodes of Turn It a Punk. Also, there is the other podcast that we do here called Clobbering Time, which is hosted by Tom Bryan and co-hosted by myself. And each week we take a look, or each week, every time we put that up, we take a look at pro wrestling. We're going to have a special one coming up this week, though. It's going to be really cool. Uh, and we uh, dissect that genre. Oh. You can hear the Descendants are beginning their sound check in the background right now as I say this. I'll tell you about all this in one second, but that explains that drumming noise that's just started that you're hearing now. Um, But yeah, so clobbering time. Tom, Brian, and I are going to have a special one this week, um, and we put them up every once in a while, but it's all about pro wrestling, the sweet, sweet science of the pro wrestling graps. And there is also another podcast, a fourth podcast right now in our little podcast family, and that podcast is, of course, Oil and Flowers, where myself and Buddha Blaze each week talk about cannabis, the sweet plant known as cannabis, or the sweet leaf, as some bands have referred to it in the past as. And so, yeah, those are the, uh, the taupe podcast family as it stands right now. So you can find all those on iTunes. You can also find those on um, uh, 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 Audio Boom at audioboom.com they're all there you can also uh you know stream them on your various music streaming services i think they're mainly i think it's like spotify's got it now then you can find this on spotify so if you're listening on spotify welcome and if you're not listening on spotify well thank you wherever else you're listening to the show on okay i think that's about it for that um oh check out uh, fucked up shows if you want to see where my band's playing at fuckedup.cc, and you would find out about all sorts of shows, including the show that I'm playing tonight, like right now, uh, with the Descendants. I'm sitting outside. They're doing their sound check. Carl Alvarez just went back inside after a cigarette. It's, you know, he's looking over at me. Hey, buddy. And he's gone inside. He's probably wondering why I'm talking to myself in a van right now. Uh, Yes, uh, back to what actually is going on. I am uh, backstage at the Descendants show in the parking lot, uh, recording in our van as they are doing sound check, and I want you guys to all be able to hear me. It's an amazing time. Uh, hopefully, we'll have a conversation with some of those guys in the future. But right now, we're talking about the present, and the present for this show is incredible because today on the show, as I mentioned off the top, we are joined by MVP and Zach Blair. MVP, of course, is internationally famous wrestling superstar who has wrestled for WWE, he's wrestled in New Japan, he's wrestled for TNA, he's wrestled for just about everything. Oh, my phone's going off in the background. Sorry, everyone. Uh, He's wrestled for just about every promotion you can imagine, and, uh, you know, he's a good friend of mine, and recently he came up to Toronto, and he and I sat down, and we were having a conversation, and I brought up a story he had told me a while ago, don't worry, it comes up on this podcast, you'll hear this story, and I'm like, didn't you tell me something about this story? And he proceeded to say, yes, it happened backstage at a Guar concert, and I'm like, oh, Guar concert, and he's like, yeah, my friend, uh, some guy I used to know, uh, plays guitar in Guar, and he described this person, and I said, this person's name is Zach Blair, he said, have I told you this story before? And I said, no, that's because that's my friend, Zach Blair, and sure enough, he was talking about Zach Blair, former guest of the show, and it turns out that him and Zach had met each other way back when, when they were kids, when MVP, before he got sent to prison, you have to listen to the MVP episode and the Zach Blair episode before you listen to this. So if you haven't listened to those two yet, 
pause this one and go listen to those two because I assure you, it will give you so much extra depth when you listen to this one. Anyway, so before MVP got sent to prison, he was shipped out to Texas in a small town just outside of Dallas. And that is where he would wind up meeting Zach and his brother Donnie, both from Hagfish and some of their other friends and became their friends. And oh my gosh, this episode is so nuts. It's so good. Uh, So after I found all this stuff about MVP, uh, I called Zach and reconnected the two of them because they'd been out of touch for something close to 20 years at this point. And now they're reconnected and all is right in the world. And you have a turned out a punk episode to uh, sink your teeth into. This is awesome. There's so much stuff in this episode. I'm not going to waste any more of your time rambling on about it because I just want you guys to listen to it because oof, you people are in for a treat. This is one for the ages. Please people sit back, relax and enjoy Zach Blair and MVP. That's right. A member of rise against Guar and hagfish and uh, a former, uh, tag team champion and like you know like a a former wrestling champion uh, a multiple time wrestling champion and how all their life goes not all their life how about uh, uh one of the key points in both of their lives happens because of punk rock so this is the episode that proved this thesis that is turned out of punk sit back relax and enjoy nvp and zach blair on Turned Out a Punk. Oh, both you guys, uh, thank you for coming back to me with this. Because as we were just discussing off air, I was saying to you, Zach, I think before MVP, you joined us on the call. You, this is, this is something that is the entire thesis of this show. Like, the entire reason I wanted to do this show was to kind of expose these kind of connections that exist within the punk world and punk community type thing. And I, you know, and I just had to bring us all together once again, because unfortunately I erased the first time we discussed this, uh, to discuss it again and uh, tell... uh, No, Damien, you're actually responsible for reuniting me with with two people, with with Shaka from Burn, Mm -hmm. Ghost Decibels, Mm -hmm. and now uh, reunited with my old friend Zach. So you're you're (laughs) on a roll, buddy. You are, you are, you're like the punk rock uh, matchmaker, is what you are. <laughs> well, that's what I... Re, reset her up. But, but, you know what? You, there's a lot to be said. for a punk. The exactly. <laughs> there's a lot to be said for what you, for what, uh, your, your original statement. And, the, you know, the thesis of the whole podcast turned out a punk. I, I think you're right. Like, what an odd story that myself and, and MVP um, met so long ago. And we met because... We were the outcast odd kids in this really conservative little Bible Belt white bread Texas community. We, I was hanging out with. I guess can we just go right into the story? I'll tell my version, and then and then MVP, you can tell yours. Or yeah, well, how do you want yeah, to do yeah, this? Sure. Want to do that? Well, I uh, I've been on this podcast before, and I told a bit of my my early story, but. Essentially, just one day, my I was with my brother and our best friend Billy James, um, 
and we went and we hung out at the park in Sherman, Texas, this terrible little town that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and and we were the punk kids. We were we listened to metal. We listened to punk. We didn't we didn't have the luxury of being able to sort of align ourselves with one scene. It was just anything that was counterculture. We mm-hmm. were down, and we met this kid. This kid was in our park, and he came up to us, and he could see that we were wearing metal and punk shirts, and. He, we just started talking about music, and it turns out that it was it was the other guy on this this phone call who went on to be a very successful pro wrestler named MVP, and I went on and did my thing and, and do what I do now. And I guess you know without going too far into the story yet, you're right, Damien. It, it it's odd that that this connection was made because of our shared affinity for this thing that is counterculture and this thing that made us stand out from this little small community. Um, and we, we became great friends. We lost touch over the years. We both went on and did our things that took us to these sort of, you know, um, I guess and for me, I never thought my life would end up the way it did, but I think it was originally dedicating myself to something that wasn't sort of the norm, definitely not the norm in this little community that I grew up in that took me to where I am right now. And, and you as well, I would imagine. So yes, Damien, you, you, you reconnected this whole thing through this podcast and through the fact that you were this kid as well. You just were in Canada and not, we were in Texas, you know? Well, I think the thing that it also is, it's not just that you guys went on to kind of find success in respective industries. I think you went on to both find success at the heights of your respective industries, you know? Thank you very much. And it's just, and it's, and it's so, ah, just so cosmic that you two had this connection. Uh, I guess MVP, what, what do you remember from that day? Cosmic on multiple levels. On multiple, like, absolutely. Multiple levels. It's it, it's insane. I'm not much for faith, and you know I'm not the most spiritual individual. But sometimes things happen to make you go, "Wait a minute, man! What? what? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, how did that happen? Yeah. So, uh, going back to the to the park story, at 15 turning 16 in Miami, like I had just I just got out of this juvenile program I was locked up in for about six and a half months. And uh, one of my best friends got shot and killed, and I was involved in some serious gunplay. And, you know, shit was just crazy. And some guys, you know, were looking for me a few blocks away from my house, and they shot at me. And I finally, my mom had been begging me to go to Sherman, Texas, to go stay with my aunt. And uh, after that, I finally acquiesced because I'm like, man, if something happened to my brothers because of me, I'd never forgive myself. So the next day, my mom had me on a Greyhound to Sherman. And my, my aunt stayed in these apartments right across the street from this park, park place. And I'm in the park one night walking around and uh, vandalizing shit. I'm marking this park. I'm putting my name on shit because this is now my park. You know, this is my mindset at the time. And these fucking four white boys pull up. And this this <laughs> it was a little yellow car. Wasn't didn't you guys have a little yellow car? It was a little Ford station wagon. Yeah, it's a little yellow Ford station wagon. Yep. <laughs> And they jump out and they're laughing and they're playing and this offended my sensibilities. How dare they come into my park laughing and joking and playing? And I was, you know, real standoffish at the time because that was my mentality back then. Mm-hmm. And I realized, like, dude, don't be a fucking asshole. You don't know anybody, man. Go make some friends. Go say hi. So I went over and I started chatting and, yeah, like Zach said, you know, the t-shirts and they told me they had a band and, you know, we started talking about music and that was right around the time I had just recently, like the year before, really been introduced to the uh the punk scene mm-hmm. hardcore so 
I'm like, oh, yeah, I know that band. Oh, I heard of them. And these guys, what, you heard of them? Yeah, yeah, I know them. My flesh turned me on to them. Yeah, I know what's going on. So even more so, like, yeah, I was an outcast, and I was doing my own thing. But even in the world of outcasts, I was even more of an outcast because amongst my friends, they would look at me, oh, man, he likes that old devil shit, man. He likes that old devil shit. <laughs> I remember going with to see, with, I was going to say, I remember I went to go see the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And I was, this was like in 88, maybe, 89. <laughs> And uh, my boys would say, yeah, man, we're going out Saturday. I'm like, oh, no, man, I'm going to a concert. And, my, and I'll never forget my friend Ed goes, oh, yeah, that's right. He's going to see the Red Hot Devils in Hell or some <laughs> shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, with us, if you were, like, into, you know, anything demonic or satanic, that was, a, that was like, you were in our, you're like, yeah, dude, that's fucking rad. Because yeah, our thing at the time was, was you know, in our other conversation, uh, you mentioned that, you know, we were into DRI. We were fully into DRI. We were into, it was weird. We were into anything, like at the time, this is 87, 88, 89, all the great thrash metal was happening. So we were buying it the day it came out. Like I bought Slayer, Rain and Blood the day it came out. But I also bought Black Flag, My War the day it came out. You know, there was no allegiance to any scene or any sound. It was just like anything that would piss off people at high school. And then here's this kid, <laughs> here's this kid from Miami that didn't look like us, but he knew these bands that we were into. And so, you know, and plus, I mean, we were getting our asses kicked on a daily basis because we were fucking dorks and we wore upside down crosses on our shirts or we wore shirts with, you know, a black flag four bars and we didn't look nor sound like anyone else. And then here's this kid that knew this stuff who kind of had a like history of fighting and getting into trouble and stuff. And so it was a great allegiance because we're like, holy shit, now, now we can like defend ourselves. You know, <laughs> we're getting our asses kicked. Here's our, here's our dude, you know, uh, which, which is great. By the way, I talked to Billy James, the guy we were with that day and he freaked out. I told him who you were, who you ended up being. And he, uh, we'll talk off, off the phone, but, uh, he, uh, he wants to reconnect as well. So he's What's still up, one. Man? Yeah. Well, I no, talk to him daily, every day. <clears throat> I, I got to I got to tell the story again because it was so funny. Mm -hmm. I, I'll never forget. Um, just Damien to give you an idea of how lame like Sherman Dennison was. Like Saturday night, everybody would go to Dennison to the Strip and cruise. Like it yeah. was 1955 or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone would have their parents' cars or the two cool kids that had their own would just drive up and down all night, like two blocks or whatever it was. Like really, no real Strip, <laughs> nothing going on. And I, and I remember just losing my mind, like, man, my mom hit it off right sending me here because it's going to be hell to find trouble around here. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a pool hall. What was it called? Like the Cruising Club or some shit? It was like the Cruising Club. Yeah, it was the Cruising Club, actually. Yeah. Damien, I told you, my long-term memory is amazing. My short-term memory is, awful, is, is horrible. So right. I, we're, I'm in there shooting pool with Billy, and some kid runs in and tells us that the burnouts were going to jump the skaters because it was, I guess, some of your friends, the skate kids had a little skate shop. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, me and Billy, you know, we, we rushed down there. And I remember there was a bunch of burnouts and there was, you know, some it looked like there was about to be something to go down. And me and Billy showed up and we were like, what's up? What you want to do? And they fucked off. They didn't they didn't want to do anything, really. Not to us, maybe to the skate kids. Yeah. And then uh, well, I think it's because not to you, because before you. They were always looking to sign some shit with us. <laughs> they didn't give a fuck. But then when you came around, I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. And it's funny because I even remember what I had on that night. I had on some blue jeans, and I had on a flannel shirt with just, like, the top two buttons buttoned. <laughs> <laughs> How the fuck do you remember that? That's insane. 
I remember I remember because of the contrast, because when the yeah. burnouts came back, they came back with that cowboy kid. The dude oh, who was on the rodeo team. Right, 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 right. Ever. I remember yeah. the dude was short, real stocky, had a full beard in high school, had on a cowboy yeah. hat. Had a, had a fucking flag wrapped around his neck, tucked in his shirt like an ascot or something. And yeah. It was like their their champion. And I look I look around and I notice everybody's standing behind me now. I'm like, hey, what the hell? How'd this happen? Well, you know what? If um, if the guy after you, we were talking about this the other day. After you, when you when you had, had went back, we met up with that dude again, and my brother actually beat that dude up after the fact because we got him up? we went. To, my brother did. We had my uh, <laughs> That's great. because we 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 were at a party and that dude wanted to fight me for whatever reason. I don't even know why. It was probably just my mouth. And my brother was nowhere around. Of you know, we were there together, but I, he was off with some friends or whatever. And then at the the moment when I was about to just get in a fight with that dude, my brother beat him up. Yeah, which, you know, I don't think without the courage of you in the first place, it would have been possible. But, yeah, he kind of had, had enough. He he started fighting a lot in high school. It got worse, you know. It got worse uh, post post you. Um, the, the amount of us getting fucked with, it got worse. And my brother just, uh, I don't know, he just snapped one day and was like, I'm not taking shit anymore. And. You know, it just got to be too much. <clears throat> uh, that, that surprises me about Donnie, as I remember Donnie. If you told me Billy snapped and beat the fuck out of that guy, I'd be like, yeah, okay, that sounds like... <laughs> well, you know, Billy... Billy is... Like, you know, like... And he was just dead. Yeah, dude, he... He... Something start... Yeah, he, he kind of... I'm trying to think of what I can actually say and can't. Um, he... He is now like my brother is is uh, he's a professional musician as well. He he is in the band the Toadies. That's what he does. Like, and um, he do kinda, you want to die? Uh, exactly that, that, that <laughs> band. Exactly. That's exactly. the thing about MVP is MVP Loki has the greatest knowledge of music, which is any, blowing my fucking mind. No, yeah. you can name it just about any band, any artist, rock, rap, punk metal and he he'll he can go he can go yeah well if, if he can roll with you damien because like i said on the last podcast you're the yoda to like <laughs> the, the whole thing um no my brother and i you know we went and did hackers together and then we did only crime which is a, a hardcore band that was uh, fat rack put out with bill stevenson and russ from good riddance and then my brother joined the toadies around the same time i joined rise against and uh he just, uh, toward the end of high school, he just kind of, the anger of us being the outcasts and being fucked with in that town, just sort of get, started getting to him, and he started getting in fights. And now, he's like a second degree black belt, and he's he's the guy. Like, he's he's kind of, kind of tough. It's funny, last weekend, we were in Dallas, and my brother and Billy almost got in a fight with a dude. They're growing down their 40s, and they almost got in a fight. It was like just like high school. Some dude, it was in an elevator, and some guy was being an asshole. And my brother, you know, they were going to push the buttons in the elevator. I mean, seriously, I'm not even making this up. And my brother, kind I heard him kind of speaking to the dude sort of deliberately, and Billy was just talking randomly about something. And I was like, dude, shut up. Listen to what's going on. And then Billy started paying attention, and it, oh, it felt just like back in those days, man. It's like they're still, we're all still those kids, man. We're all still, you know, the, the kids that, that took shit and don't want to take shit anymore. It's crazy, man. Anyway, I, I digress. I digress. <clears throat> no, it was funny. I was just, I was laughing because I remember like when you guys would have your jam sessions at that little warehouse and I'd come and <laughs> hang out. 
And yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd find a little a speaker or some shit on the corner, and I'd just post up. And it was always just a handful of kids that would come and watch you guys practice. You know, it was never because, you know, you guys had, like, your own scene. It wasn't really a scene that you belonged to. You know, I remember right. Yeah, the well, ballroom where it was all burnout metalheads, and then you guys <laughs> played, and it was like, it was so funny because it was all burnout metalheads. Yeah. Well, that's what, it, Sherman at least had that. It didn't have, like, punkers or anything, but it had, like, dudes that loved Metallica. So we're like, <laughs> all right, I mean, we love Metallica, too, so let's let's just go ahead and align ourselves with these guys. We're into a whole bunch of other shit, but at least you've got Metallica. We'll, we'll stay there. I remember on dragging Main Street in Denison, I believe with you, I can't remember if it was with you or not, but... So we, because we were in a thrash metal and punk, like we, we at the time did not like older metal. And now I love it, of course. But at the time, this dude was talking about Judas Priest and we just made it our point. Like we weren't going to like Judas Priest and we weren't going to like the, like the old metal, which is ridiculous. I still don't like Judas Priest. See, I do. (laughs) I do. Like, I mean, I like, I love it all, but he was, he was like into Priest. And I remember Billy talked shit said something about judas priest and it almost went off there was almost a fight because the dude got in billy's face and i swear to god it's an actual quote he goes don't you say a word against priest jack <laughs> it almost don't you done say it a, a fight. word against priest jack jack oh, yeah which is great i want that on a shirt uh <laughs> anyway, anyway. Word against priest jack don't you say a word against priest jack um anyway all right well anyway so damien um to to I, I I'm gonna go off in tangents just like I normally do. So anyway, at at the time we met him and we hung out and he was our buddy and we kind of aligned ourselves. And I guess how long were you in Sherman? Dude, I was only there for a few months because I ended up getting in trouble and, and there was a whole nother story you guys don't even know about that ended me having to go back to uh back to Miami. I remember uh, you just disappearing. Like you are a buddy, and then you were gone. Well, here, I'll give you the condensed version. Uh, About the time that I was hanging out with you, I met this kid named Corey. And I remember Corey, uh, he played football. He was a good guy. You know, he should cut hair and whatnot. And he invited me out to the Denison Ballroom on one of the black nights. And there was some girl at high school that was kind of crushing on each other. And I went to this dance, and she was there, and her boyfriend lived in Denison. Or at the time, she said they weren't together. It was her ex-boyfriend. I don't know. You know how chicks are, man. But yeah. Um, as I recall, and yes, I, I do remember. I, I I had on my Raider hat that night. I was in full fucking. <laughs> I was in full terrorist mode. Um, <laughs> and, and they had free beer. So, okay. Uh, some shit jumped off with me and this guy. He like rushed, yo, why you keep trying to talk to my girl? And I'm like, dude, your girl told me she don't fuck with you. Get up out my face, man. And, uh, it turned into like an altercation and then we all went outside. And, uh, prior to that, I left out a very important part. I went to the bathroom and this other dude, I'm sorry, not Art, the kid I met that invited me out that night. His name was Art. I met a dude named Corey. Who said, yo, who you been hanging out with, man? I heard about you from Miami. But yeah, so I told him, you know, you guys, and I, he didn't know you guys. 
And he knew Art, but he was like, yeah, those are the good kids, man. You got to, you know, hang, you know, hang out with me, man. I've been wanting to vibe with you, man. Let's get, you know, I'm like, okay. There was another kid that went to Sherman who was from L.A., and I can't think of his name right now, but he was in Sherman for the same reasons that I was. He was fucked up in L.A. I was fucked up in Miami. Our parents said, here, go somewhere to stay out of trouble. And uh, This is he- so much more interesting than what we were doing. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> That's around, and uh, you know, I, I end up vibing with these dudes, and we hit it off, and it's cool. Okay, so later on is when I have the altercation with this guy, and you know, all his homeboys and, and Dennison, and I'm with Art and these dudes, and we walk outside, and some guy has the trunk popped, and he's putting shells in a shotgun. What? And, and, and Art's like, you know, because all the Dennison dudes were standing around this car, and they had the trunk popped. And, like, they were going to war. And this was all over me. And this dude's girlfriend, who she said, she told me that they were broken up. She didn't mess with him. But apparently he didn't get that memo. So me, now all of a sudden I'm in my element. At that time where my mindset was, I was completely in my element. And um, I see that kid Corey and the dude from L.A., they both walk up and they're like, what you want to do, dog? And they pull up their shirts and they got pistols in the waistband. You and gotta be like, shitting me. Say, this, this is insane. My, this is my kind of party. <laughs> so I grabbed the shotgun from the dude that had it in the trunk. He didn't want to give it to me. It was his shotgun. And I literally like took it from him. And we walked out to the street right in front of the Denison Hotel or the ballroom or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's all chaos. People, girls are screaming, oh, they're gonna fight. Uh, you know, people are running around. And me and these two dudes, like fucking uh, the Magnificent Seven, we come walking down the middle of the street. I got the shotgun over my shoulder and now everybody's freaking the fuck out. And these guys were at the trunk and their car popped where I'm from. You pop the trunk. That means you're going to get a gun. They had like sticks and bats and shit in the trunk. Yeah. That sounds had, about right. Yeah. We had guns like, Hey man, you pop the trunk. That's gunplay. So in my infinite 16 year old wisdom, I, uh, I screamed that, uh, Sherman runs Denison and every, all the boys in Denison were pussy what my name was, and I'll come see me in Sherman. And I fired two shots in the middle of the street. <laughs> and then everybody Jesus. scattered. We jumped in the car. We hauled ass. And uh, a few days later, uh, my aunt said, hey, you need to go home because this shit, you're just getting in too much shit here. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I probably do need to go home. How the fuck? <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me interject. How the fuck did you get into that I promise you, if this was a Saturday night, here's what your 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 white nerdy fucking metalhead punker friends were doing. If it was a Saturday night, we had gone to the mall, and at nine o'clock when it closed, we went home and watched the Headbangers Ball. If it was a Saturday night, a Sunday night, we had gone to the mall until it closed and went home and watched 120 minutes. That's what we did. So how the fuck did you pop a trunk and get a shotgun? Because you just disappeared. That's like we just. Like yeah, was, you know, you it was just out. I had to go. It was time to go. And 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 it was weird because the night before I was supposed to go, uh, I met some other kid. Like trouble. When at that age I was trouble, and I found trouble. I met some other kid who was from Dallas, and uh, he was that we were gonna steal a car and go hang out. And Jesus fucking Christ! He ends up like trying to. I'm with him because I didn't know how to steal cars without tools. Apparently he said he did, and uh, I see the police roll up and they're like, "Hey, you with that guy?" And we, this has been a mission. I guess I'm not even going to tell the whole story. But I see him, and I see the I'm like, nah, I don't know him. 
And the cop keeps going after him. And I just walked home, and I, that was it. I haven't been back to Sherman since. Holy! I wish I wish I hadn't been back to Sherman since, but I, unfortunately, <laughs> I unfortunately I have a lot. Um, dude, that's crazy because you were still into that shit and doing that, and you fucking met the biggest dork. I mean, to this day, I've never drank, smoke, or done drugs. Like we weren't, we were so not those dudes, you know. But we all hung out and. You know, it didn't, I couldn't sense any of that, you know, about you at the time. I couldn't, you know, you had told us these stories about yourself, but it seemed like you were on the straight and narrow. And that's why we couldn't figure out why. I was trying. You, I was why trying. you had bailed, you know, why you had left. Well, you, know? you know what else happened? See, like, like my, at that age, I was just, I was fucked up. I just wasn't mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. And there was a teacher whose name I can't remember. He was a math teacher, I think. Big, big Texas football coach kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And he and I got into it in class one day. That sounds about right. And I, you know, I guess, you know, I don't know, man. They just, you know, Sherman High School was as was as big as like one wing of any high school I went to in Miami. Sure. So I don't think those teachers were really used to dealing with, you know, students with my attitude. So me and I hated, were, I hated those fucking people. Yeah, yeah I remember because you had a class like right across the hall from that guy. I remember seeing yeah. him in the hallway. Anyway, I ended up cussing him out, telling him to fuck himself, and we got into some words, and I trashed the classroom, and then I went. I and I, that that might be the same kid. teacher that called my brother an idiot, and my dad called the school and threatened to beat that guy to <laughs> beat his ass, and came down to the school and waited on him in the parking lot, and the dude never, the dude, I guess he got out some other way. I know who you're talking about, and he was a complete asshole. Yeah, he was a real jerk. But I mean, I remember I ended up getting suspended, and I was that like the experiment, the Sherman experiment. I have some good memories of it, but it didn't work out quite the way my mom and mom were hoping. That I go there and chill out because at the time, I was in the trouble, and I would find trouble. Yeah. I didn't have to, and I found you guys, and that really, for a while, tempered that. Because well, I would just hang out was, with you and listen to music and ride around, and you guys turned me on to to this day. The only reason that I know Voivod exists is because of <laughs> that <Yes>. is awesome. <laughs> that in and of itself, dude. I went and saw them the other night, just a few months ago. I drug my wife to it, and I was stoked. I do every song. Still love that band. I love them. And that connects um, Canada too to this conversation because they, of course, are Canada's greatest metal band. They're, 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 you know what? They're one of a, the world's greatest metal bands. Mm-hmm. But yes, you're right. Absolutely, Canada's. But what a fucking important, awesome band they are. Um, if no one's heard Voivod that's listening to this, go listen to Voivod. Um, but, you know, f- for us, it was this much needed sort of element in our dynamic because we only had each other, you know, and we've, we were fucking drowning. And here's this kid from somewhere else to us that was so exotic. You know, he's got this story and he's done these things, but he's just a kid just like us, you know, and I think it gave us the gumption to be like, okay, there is life outside of all this. You know, we're not crazy. This kid likes us. This kid knows what we're talking about. You know, he's got this completely different life than us, but he gets it. And I think it gave me as a, you know, a a bit of like, you know, there's times when you think you're crazy. You know, make like mm-hmm. there was times when I would think like, man, maybe they're right. Maybe my brother and I are these fucking weirdos that maybe we need to fall in line. You know, you go through all that shit in your head at the time when you're the outcast and you're not fitting in. And then we meet this kid that 
that was totally, you know, like totally accepted us, you know? So it gave me the gumption at an early age, like, okay, I just need to get out of here. I think that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Dude, you know what, as we were saying earlier, to your credit, and I, you know, I I have to give you some huge kudos because in life all too often, you know, we all have hopes and dreams and aspirations, but you know, how many of us actually see those through to fruition? You get married, you have a kid, you know, life happens. I think John Lennon said life is what happens while you're busy making other plans. Right, and I'll never forget being at at your 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 apartment, chilling in your room, and you telling me, without question, unflinchingly, that you and Donnie were going to be professional musicians. You were going to play music for a living. You guys were going to have a band. You would teach me to play so that I could come on tour with you guys and be your guitar. I remember this video. You, there was no question about it. You know, and in high school, you know, you got a high school band. Yeah, we're going to be a band. Yeah, you know, running everybody yeah. a few years later. And, you know, you got, you know, the fat wife with three kids and a job you hate. You know, so much. Food. A lot of those dudes in Sherman, man. People, man. other people that, you, that, you know, well, well, thanks, man. I think I was just, I, I was willfully ignorant because I feel like if I, I even then, I knew that if, if I gave myself something else to do, and I didn't care. I had no, you know, I, I didn't care if I was sleeping on floors for the rest of my life. I knew I just wanted to play guitar and play music. That's what I, I loved it since I was a child. If I gave myself anything else to fall back on, I probably would have fallen back on that, you know? And I think it was growing up in Sherman and, and feeling like such an outcast that it was that propulsion of, okay, you got to get out of here. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> keep move, keep moving forward or, you know, and I think all of those things convert, but thank you. That that means a lot for you to to, to you know to say that. I, oh, I, really I, just, appreciate I that. just had another random memory just pop in my head. I wasn't there, but I used to hear you guys talk about it all the time. The jam at the dam. The jam at the dam. <laughs> Damien, if you don't know what the if you've never heard of the jam at the dam, uh, we uh, so Sherman and Denison are right on the border of Oklahoma and. So it's like really northern Texas. So I'm talking five miles away from the, the Oklahoma border. And so there's a dam. There's a Lake Texoma. So it's in the Texas, Oklahoma. And there's a dam there. And so every year there would be this big concert, this like festival show called the Jam at the Dam. And it was to benefit muscular dystrophy. And it was a real big deal to go play the Jam at the Dam. Yeah. And we played it in two incarnations we played it with and i'm and we said this the other day and i'm gonna go ahead and bust myself out i had a band me and my brother with this <laughs> here we go come kid, on come on spit it out. and it was called forbidden cause which is the stupidest name in the world but i, I don't 14. think it's that bad i don't know i'm it's in a band so bad fucked. i'm in fucked tim up McElrath, so. <laughs> tim mcelrath the singer for rise against gives me so much shit when they found out, when my the band I'm in found out the name the, the name of my band, they fuck with me so. Oh, this cause is forbidden, sir. You know that <laughs> shit. They just tear me apart. But anyway, so we played the jam at the dam, and it was such a big deal. I mean, it was such a big deal. I mean, it was like out of a movie. The girl in high school that I had the crush on, like we made out, and you know, just the whole thing. It was it, it could not have been a better night. And then the next year, my brother and I, after you had left, um, we joined a band called Harm's Way with a Z. Mm-hmm. There's Harm's Way yep. that we, there's the Hark Way. This was Harm's Way with a Z, and these guys were rad. Like, they played Slayer covers and Metallica covers. Like, they were the band we wanted to be in, and we joined up with them, and we played it again the next year. So, pretty, they, be- uh, they became something else, right? They became another band, right? Harm's Way, I thought you said no. On the, I thought you said on the other podcast, maybe, or someone from that band. Maybe I'm wrong. Oh, um, hang on. 
Fuck. There was another rival band in town called Necromancer that have become oh, a pretty shit. popular metal band called THC now. Okay. Like Texas Hippie Coalition. Okay, um, yeah. I'm trying to think of who who else this might have been, but no, Harm's Way. Those guys just kind of stayed there, and 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 they were great musicians. They were awesome, and they were the guys we wanted to be in, you know. And and that kind of springboarded. But yeah, the jam at the dam. And and did did you go to that 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 year? No, no, no. I, I didn't go. I just I, I remember you guys always talking about <laughs> the, the legendary jam, jam at the dam. It, it, it was legendary. I, I never went. I just remember hearing about the jam. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what's funny is, well, not funny, but my dad my dad died shortly after all of this and from that performance uh somebody had a vhs you know filming it and stuff and i had a vhs my, my dad's on the, the the video back then nobody had cell phones and stuff mm-hmm. so i was like the only video footage i have of my dad and i've been looking for that forever so if anybody no one's listening to this uh, that has that but i'm trying to track well, people down that might have been there but yeah there have been <clears> strange know. things yeah there have been some strange know. things this podcast has turned up for people so if anyone has well that you footage, this you turned this up, Damien. <laughs> Let, yeah, let, let's talk about another level of the the cosmic. Uh, okay, so before we get into that, though, I just want to say, you know, I've mentioned this before because you brought up movies there, Zach. I've brought this up before to you, MVP. Some people are blessed to have maybe one or two stories in their life that are worthy of cinematic capturing. I think you know, in addition to all the other stuff that you bring up in your pod, your episode of this podcast. That I think this story with the two of you would make an incredible movie. <laughs> well, if, it, if there's anybody out there wants to make it, I'm game because it, it writes itself. Like I'm already, I'm already, it's already like I can picture it already in my head. Well, there's a there's because there's there's an, a three part to this. I mean, just us kind of meeting in this weird godforsaken town and going off and doing our lives. That's one thing, and then and then you left because of I just found out because of some major serious shit. Which for by the way, for Dennis and Sherman, you actually firing a shotgun in the middle—that is fucking insane. Like I didn't even hear about that. <laughs> Seriously, that's the most insane thing I've ever hap- I've ever heard happening up there. So that's our third that's act. Nuts. That's our third act in the movie. It's insane. <laughs> so you left. We fell out because, of course, there was no email. There was no phones. There was no way to stay in touch. And I don't know how many years later, 10 years later, I, um, for people that don't know in Dallas, well, I had moved to Dallas. My brother and I started our band Hackfish and that's what we were doing. I believe Hackfish had actually broken up at this point and I had joined Guar, um, which we covered on our podcast, Damien. And, uh, so in Dallas, there was like maybe a three block by six block area of town called Deep Ellum which is where the clubs are, the rock clubs and everything. Let, and Let MVP take over the story at this point. Yes, go ahead. Because his go version ahead. of this is awesome. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so uh, I, I was in, uh, what was it? Uh, oh, okay, we were in Dallas for a uh, crazy little uh, convention or something. My wife and I, I was married at the time. And we went to this convention in Dallas, and that night, you know, she, one of the other guys, she was, ah, you go out, have some drinks with your friends, go have a good time. So I had a, a hall pass. I went to Deep Ellum, and I was telling this guy, Brian, who I was with, who was also a musician, um, about these guys I knew in high school. They had a band, Forbidden Cause, you know, not too far from Dallas. You know, I, I wonder if those guys ever did anything, you know, who knows, you know. And we bounced around a couple rock bars, and I just, you know, looked at some flyers and casually asked guy, hey, man, you ever hear of a band out of Dallas called Forbidden Cause? And, ah, okay. 
on the off chance that maybe. You never know, right? And uh, we end up walking a few blocks, and we see a bar called G-Spot. Now, let me interject here. I don't remember the existence of this bar. <laughs> Honestly, I don't. I think at the time, the, like weird clubs would pop up in Deep Ellum all the time. There was the main like trees, the main bar, Clearview, Curtain Club. I don't remember this part, but it's it sounds ridiculous. But go, but go ahead. I, 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 I go ahead. I think we've also established beyond a shadow of a doubt at this point that MVP's memory is is beyond so much better. Record, yeah, it's beyond historical record. So MVP was it was it Galaxy or was it G Spot? G Spot sounds so fucking was, suggestive. It was, was G Spot because I told Brian, as men, we could not walk past that bar without going inside and having a drink. Oh, wow, that's so how, fucking how can weird. You, how could you not just at least touch the G spot? You know what I'm saying? I just, I, that just sounds so fun. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. So G spot, and I remember I was drinking a Heineken and uh, posted up on the bar. Nothing remarkable. It was a busy Saturday night, what have you. And I see this uh, skinny, bald-headed guy wearing a T-shirt that says badass on it. And he didn't look like much of a badass, which, you know, I thought, ah, that's Thank you. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> You know, well, nowadays you never know. You never oh, I know. I know. I, I look like even less and, of a badass. And I can, I can yeah. say that I know a lot of badasses that don't look like a badass compared to MVP. So, you know, I think it's all it's all relative. You know, Zach, you look not like only do I not look like a badass then nor now, but I'm definitely not one. Go ahead, go ahead. You're, I still have that shirt. You're badass to me, Zach. You're definitely. Badass Thank you very much, Damien. Thank you very much. Badass is all relative. I remember seeing the shirt, and I, you know, said I just got your attention. Say, hey, that's a cool shirt. Where'd you get that? And you said, oh, and then you told me the story about you're in a band, and uh, this guy gave it to you. And I saw, oh, yeah, what band do you play in? Say, oh, you probably never heard of it. It's a band called Guar. And I'm like, oh shit, you play for Guar? No kidding. And uh, you know, we start. They say, oh, you heard of Guar? Because of course, I don't look like the type of guy that you, you know, listen to Guar, right? And. Uh, and I asked him, hey, man, what's your name? And he says, Zach. Now, the Zach Blair that I knew in high school had, like, long, curly ringlets down past his shoulders. And and, mm-hmm. I, and this guy is shaven bald. But I looked, I remember I looked at your face a little closer and I said, Zach? And you said, yeah. I said, you have a brother named Donnie? And he goes, yeah, I do. And I looked at Brian. I said, dude, this is unfucking believable You have no idea. what." I... So remember the band I was telling you about, Forbidden Cause? And he goes, yeah. I said, dude, this, this, is, this is the dude from the band. And you look and you go, wait, do I know? And then your eyes lit up when the light bulb yep. came on. And you go, dude, what happened to you, man? Because I'm like 100 pounds heavier. <laughs> well, because um, at that point, it had been easy 12 years, probably. At least, at least, yeah. at least 10, 11 years. At that yeah. Point. Yeah, 11, eleven years or so. Yeah, yeah, eleven. A, yeah, a full, a full decade had gone by. And, Absolutely. Um, yeah, at that point, you know, it was funny because we're like, "Yo, this is incredible. What are the chances? What are the odds that you're not on tour this night? You come into this bar. I'm in town. I, you know, you wore that shirt to make me say something. All of these things came together, and bam, we uh, exchanged information. And then after that, every time you guys came down to South Florida with Guar for a show. Um, you know, we'd always link up and meet me tickets, and I'd come and see. We'd hang out for a bit and jam. I remember you introduced me to Dave a few times. He was really, really cool. Yeah. And much to Damien's, uh, much, much to Damien's uh, joy and delight, 
I was there that night when Macho Man Randy Savage came to beat up Doyle. Well, I guess okay, I, should, let's... I should jump in now and say this is how I put this all together. Is because right. I have heard about Macho Man showing up one night to a Misfit Squar show from two different people. I had heard it from... I'll... From oh, for a misfit show actually, I don't, I, I don't, I knew it was Guar necessarily, but I heard it from yourself, Zach, and I had also heard it from MVP, and I could never reconcile how I heard these both these stories. So the other night, I sat down with MVP and brought this up to him, and he told me the story he has just told about meeting the guitar player from Guar in a bar, and at that point, I said. Your friend's name is Zach Blair, right? He goes, oh, have I told you this story before? And I'm like, no, that's because that's my friend, too. <laughs> well, I'll tell my version, and then MVP, yes, yes. you can tell yours. So, yes, yeah, so now we had reconnected, and we were, I mean, we weren't, I don't know how we were email, how we were getting in touch, but you would come out in Florida, and we would hang out. We had reconnected. You weren't wrestling at this point yet. You were tr- trying to get into wrestling? Is that what, what I, is that true? Uh, I want to say at that point, I don't even think I had started wrestling school. Okay. This was either 99 or 2000. So I, Guar and the Misfits, this was the American psycho era of Misfits. So we're talking Michael Graves was singing uh, Doyle and Jerry only. And Dr. Chud was playing drums. We did two six week back to back six week tours. It was the longest. I think I went home for like four days in the middle of it. It was an entire summer. So at this point, if anyone remembers, the Misfits had started wrestling. I think it was for WWE. Was it WWE or WCW? Uh, it was in WCW at the time. WCW. WCW, okay, WCW, WCW, yeah. That's what it was. So every like week, those guys would fly out, and they were the sort of henchmen to a wrestler. I don't remember what guy that was. Uh, you guys would know. His name is Vampiro. There you go. There you go. And they were getting in the ring and doing some things. They were kind of his baddies, you know, and... It was really cool for them. It was really good. So every time they would have to fly out, we would just do a guar show or whatever. Well, um, I guess it's common knowledge now, now that, you know, somewhere along the way, Doyle and uh, had started seeing the Macho Man's girlfriend, wife at the time. And, you know, uh, she was showing up to shows. She would be at shows. And we hit Florida. MVP... You were coming out to hang, to hang out with, you know, because we had reconnected. And I'm putting on guar makeup, and I look in the mirror, and the Macho Man Randy Savage is standing behind me. (laughs) And shit's about to go off, and it's not good. And it got diffused really quick, but by that point, MVP, you had shown up. So you were, you were, were you in, like, you saw the sort of kerfuffle, or were you there right after? Yeah, and that's the thing. I never saw an actual, uh, altercation okay so uh, i don't whatever transpired you know uh, beforehand i didn't see i just remember um because I, I watched you guys play yeah and then afterwards macho man was still chilling in the back and he, he stuck standing, around yeah he stuck around for a while which now that i know what happened prior to i'm surprised that he was still there yeah. but it all makes sense now because at the time yeah i was, I was pretty i was young I don't even think I was 30 yet, man. I was probably like 29, maybe just 30. And um, I'm pretty sure I was on the gas at that point. So I was pretty jacked up and swollen. Mm-hmm. And uh, my, my Yeah, young... I was on the gas too at that point. <laughs> totally, totally joking. A different um, kind of gas. The badass gas, Zach. Badass gas, exactly. <laughs> badass exactly. gas. 
um, <laughs> that makes you fucking play hour-long shows in a heavy-ass costume and still rip. Well, that's it. I would almost pass out nightly. I will say that. Like, it, almost every night, I'd either vomit or about, uh, I would almost but, pass out. But because you were... Because you were on the badass gas, you were able to finish it. Exactly. exactly. There you go. Exactly. You got to you got to harness your inner badass gas. Oh, um, my, my brother was with me, and my brother is like he's he's three years younger than I am, but like three inches taller and bigger. State champion wrestler, all this shit. So he's and and a cop. And uh, I remember the bouncers and a cup. My brother was talking to the cops, and everybody was scared of Randy so much so that they came over and were like, "Hey, uh, if we got to throw this guy out, man, will you guys help us?" And now you got two cops and three or four bouncers, and they just they want more bodies to help. And dude, at the time, Macho was fucking yoked, man. I and remember him being the largest human I've ever been <laughs> in contact with at the time. And, it, and at the time, like I hadn't started wrestling school yet, but I knew the Macho man, and I went over to him and I said, "Hey, Macho, uh, is is it cool if I take a picture? Can we take a picture together?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, sure, brother." You know, we took a pic. And we started shooting the shit. I'm like, dude, you are a fucking jack, man. He goes, oh, yeah, you got to keep up with the young guys, you know? Yeah, and we were talking. And um, at that point, I realized, like, all all the, the misfit guys were, like, you know, kind of fucking around. And George was over there with them. And I, I could, at this point, I kind of realized what was going on. But I didn't know, you know, the depth of it. And then over to the side was the security guys and, and the two cops. And then me and Macho Man standing there, and I, I realized, like, okay, okay, this is, I see the dynamic. And he even said, he goes, yeah, brother, you're the only one around here that's being nice to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think it was people weren't being nice. I think it was just everyone was just I, dumbfounded. You know, for me, it was just like, this is fucking surreal. Everyone's afraid like, of the Macho Madness. They were afraid scared. of the Macho Madness. Exactly. And, and, and I just wanted everybody to hang out because at that point, you know, those guys, we've been out with the missus for a long time and I haven't talked to them forever with they, you know, they're my buddies and I loved them. And then I, you know, I was meeting Macho Man and I was this dumb kid. I just wanted everybody to like, let's just all hang out dude, and talk, you know, I'm from Texas. And so, so it wasn't fine. It was fine. And you could tell, I, I honestly, the odd thing is I ended up feeling like I was kind of, I felt really bad for him, you know, because it was obvious he wasn't wanted there. It was, it was making the situation weird. And so cut to my night, like, I think you had left and I'd seen you off. And then I went to my bus after the show and I'm just watching Goodfellas or whatever. And I've, I've only told this story. Like, this is well, my no, party this, this, story. This actually happened before that. Because oh, maybe it was before that. Maybe. He left. I remember when he, I was there when he left. He jumped in a cab. That's right. That's right. So maybe you were still inside hanging out or watching Misfits or whatever. And I had gone out to my bus and he was like, there's a knock on the door and he's like, Hey man, can I use your bathroom brother? And I was like, yeah, dude, you could do, you can do whatever you want. You know, you hungry, you know, whatever, take a nap. Um, and he used the bathroom and he comes out and he sat down and he just put his head in his hands. And he, and then I found myself as like at 25 consoling the macho man randy savage with my my hand on his on his shoulder and like dude it's you know it's gonna be fine i didn't know shit about life you know i'm like it sucks dude but you know it's gonna be totally fine it'll everything will get better i i mean to this day i can't i can't believe it actually happened i tell people the story and there you look at me incredulously right now you know but (laughs) and then he just kind of he's kind of like you know Start shaking his head. And he looked at me and said, "Ah, oh, thank you, brother. Thank you, man. I'm gonna go ahead and get back in there." And then he left, and that was it. 
He's like, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go back to mean mug those people now. That's a, that's exactly I need that pep talk. <laughs> exactly. And so that's a part that the, the the craziest thing. That's a that's a story I bring out at parties. You know, like so like yeah. listen to this crazy shit. And you were there. Yeah. You know, you yeah. you you, you were there, which is so so that means like whoever's heard this story and thought I was lying. Someone else was there. It happened. It, well, happened. it, it absolutely happened, man. <laughs> well, that this to me is like you know, it's it's obviously for me a legendary kind of moment and story. But I think you know the fact that this wasn't your only story MVP with Macho Man. This was just kind of like the the first of kind of like a, a little of a friendship that formed kind of thing. Well, not indirectly, but why don't you tell the story about you and Macho Man beyond that? Well, well, right way after that, um, once I actually started wrestling. Uh, a friend of mine who I was in prison with, who I stayed, you know, he and I stayed in touch. When I got out, his wife was friends with someone who was friends with Macho Man. They were like, hey, why don't you give us one of your tapes and we can send it to him. And you never know, maybe, you know, he can help you out or something. I'm like, yeah, all right, cool. And I sent it and uh, never heard anything about it. And he wasn't affiliated with anybody. So I didn't think anything really would come of it. But um, Steve Kern had a wrestling school up in Tampa and... Uh, he, I would drive up there to, to work out sometimes, and somehow he and the Macho Man had worked out some deal where Macho Man was going to do MachoMan.com, feel the madness, oh yeah, and it was going to be internet wrestling, but it was you can profanity, and they had some strippers for the ring girls, and it was going to be like adult. Anyway, I went there and. Uh, Y'all had to cut promos, and everybody was cutting promos like crazy, Macho Man, and I'm the only one to cut a promo. Well, not the only one, but the first one, going at him, yeah. asking him about Viagra and his Bengay. And he popped. He loved it. And he pulled me to the side, and we started talking. And then I told him about the tape. And then he goes, oh, yeah, oh, that was you. Yeah, I got, oh, yeah. So he remembered. And uh, I was uh, – MachoMan.com never actually took off. Mm-hmm. But uh, for whatever reason, he took an interest in me. And I, I used to trip the fuck out when my phone would ring and I'd look and it said Randy. I'd That's awesome. Fucking Macho Man That's is amazing. calling me. And it would always and back then I used to wrestle as Antonio Banks. And it was, hey Antonio, what's going on, brother? Just called to catch up with you. <laughs> and I and I'd shoot the shit with Macho Man for the next 15, 20 minutes. And you know, throughout my career, just randomly out of nowhere, man. He'd call me up and check on me when I got signed. He called me to uh to congratulate me and the words of wisdom, two things that he drilled into me over and over in that conversation. And that was the last time that I spoke to him. Um, He said, don't trust anybody because everyone is out to take your spot. Oh yeah. Everyone is out. And that was his thing. Like he always was paranoid that someone was trying to take his spot Mm -hmm. and two, save your money, (laughs) Save your money. And again, he was yeah. notoriously thrift, yeah. uh, if you will. Yeah. He was. People used to say he was a cheapskate, but um. Well, that's. I mean, but that is great wisdom. I mean, as yeah, you know, save your money. See, don't trust anybody. Don't so, trust anybody. Save your money. It seems be like a, a miser. A, be a miser in, in a castle. Yeah, it seems like a Scroogean type existence, though. At a little bit, yeah. right? <laughs> for um, the Macho Man. Yeah. But like, I did you ever bring up this night? Did you ever tell him about like the night? that you saw him with Guar and the Misfits? Yeah, we talked about it once and he popped huge and he, like he actually remembered, he didn't remember me per se, yeah. but he did remember that one night there was one kid that was nice. That was cool with him. <laughs> he 
did remember. He goes, that was you. Well, yeah, I, was, I remember. Uh, yeah, what a night that was. Oh, yeah. It was, it was the definition of awkward and just odd. You know, just these larger-than-life characters having these real emotional sort of moments, you know, in front of everybody and not really being ashamed of it, just letting it out, you know, I, and I, me, you know, not being able to process it. Go ahead. Well, no, I, I think sometimes about that WCW locker room where you would have had, like, the Misfits and then you would have had Bob Mould working there at that time, too, from Husker oh, yeah. Du. And then you would have also had, like, every you know, hero of wrestling at that point, kind of in North America, like they had all the big Mexican wrestling, Lucha Libre stars coming up too. It's like, what a, what a cultural hub that would have been. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and you uh, know, don't forget our good buddy, Robbie Brookside. He, he, he spent more than a, more yes. than a cup off of WCW. Absolutely. But Brookside told me, unfortunately he missed Bob mold by a couple of weeks. And I think that was a sad <laughs> for both of them because I think, Bob Mould, like being such a fan of wrestling that he is, would have loved to have met Robbie Brookside, you know, and then Robbie Brookside, obviously loving punk like he does. Would have. Well, you know, in this this convergence of punk and wrestling, I didn't realize until meeting you, Damien, really how deep it went. Mm-hmm. Well, and then, yeah, I read the Bob Mould book and, and, and that whole thing as well. And then go cut to one of my really close friends right now is a, is a kid named Daniel Freed. And he is in uh, the, the genius, amazing band Radioactivity, but he also has his own band's also genius uh, video and another yeah, genius band called Bad Sports and High Tension Wires with my, my uh, the singer of the Dracula's, my other band, um, Mike Weeby. Anyway, um, he is the hugest wrestling fan. When I told him that I grew up, I was like, hey, dude, I, I just really, you know, like, I don't know why I've never told you this. I grew up with MVP. And he fucking shit. He was just like, you're shitting me, dude. What the fuck? And then he wanted to know the entire story. And I was like, actually, we're doing a podcast about it. So he's, I wanted to give him a shout out on this because you and Damien, you and this kid, because you can go all night about punk. He's, he's like you, you know. But he can go all really all night about wrestling. Like, he really knows his shit. So I think, like, this might reveal my entire modus operandi for doing this podcast my dream is to someday find a way to have a punk wrestling convention and get all the people from wrestling that are into punk together with all the people that are in punk bands that are into wrestling and That's, just have this I mean, a massive meeting of the minds because i think it's like it's crazy but it's like yeah like lars from rancid it's like uh yeah. you know like like everyone i've had like so many people i've had on this podcast but you know, all respect to, except for yourself, really, Zach. Though you have put music in wrestling. Rise Against have had songs in WWE. Yeah, papers. you've had WWE songs. That's, yeah. that's true. And, you know, I grew up with the Von Erics. I mean, in Dallas, the sport of touring, yeah, you know, that, those absolutely. were your superheroes. Those guys were yes. your superheroes growing up there, you yes. know. Well, I think CM well, Punk said it best in one of, his, one of his promos. It's like there's very few true American art forms. And, like, professional wrestling kind of is one. And because of that, it affects all of us at such like an early level that, you know, and sure. some people carry it with them their whole lives and other people less so, but everyone's got that touchstone of it. Have um, you ever seen any footage of the Guar wrestling shows that they would put on? Oh yeah. They would, yeah, they would just put uh, the stage would be the ring yeah, and they would play and Guar characters, every Guar character would, would wrestle. They would fight and they would do tours that way. Um, yeah, I, I never really was a part of a tour. I was a part of a show or two, I think, but I never was a part of a tour, but they would tour that way. Yeah. 
Well, Guar, I guess, like, is, you know, probably one of the inspirations, I would imagine, behind Kaiju Big Battle. And, you know, like... Oh, yeah. Dude, I'm such a huge fan of Kaiju Big Battle. I haven't seen one yet live, but at every WrestleMania, I'm usually there for the convention at uh, WrestleCon. And I want to go, but timing never quite works out. But, dude, Guar has to be some sort of an influence on Kaiju Big Battle. Oh, absolutely. I would say I have no idea what you guys are talking about. Kaiju Big Battle is, like, it's Kaiju, you know, like... Uh, Japanese monster movie, but uh, ah. in, in a wrestling context. So oh shit! It's it's uh, it is something that has to be. Yeah, as MVP said, I got to check that out. Yeah, it's it's easy to become a big fan of it and stuff. But I think yeah, you got you got to see it, guys. In in a wrestling ring with cardboard buildings and dressed up as these various kaiju monster creations. Doing that sounds like. That sounds like my entire career in Guar. I just felt like I was in a big Godzilla costume the whole, the whole fucking time. And, I, I, and then somebody gave me a guitar. I was like, oh, yeah, go play a set. Like, what are you, are you serious? Really? Shit, I can't even walk in this fucking thing. All right, go ahead. Yeah, because right, you had the big feet and everything. Yeah, I had the big dinosaur feet. I was Flatus Maximus. Flatus Maximus. Yeah. Yeah, it sucked. It's like if you were in Kiss, it's like if you joined Kiss... And they, you were like the raccoon or something. You know what I mean? Like you weren't the cool one, you know? I mean, Flattus was a cool enough character, but I wanted, you know, Ballsack the Jaws of Death, that was, he's a cool character, you know? You know, and I just was this, had all these dinosaur parts all over my costume. Yeah. Yeah. Yours yours also is probably one of the sweatier ones, I would imagine. Oh, God, yes. And then I had this weird add-on tail that basically fit like a big hot rubber cape, (laughs) but I would never wear it. And they made the costume so much cooler. Corey Smoot, uh, rest in peace, that replaced me. He they 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 redid the costume when he joined the band and it looked fucking killer. It was awesome. When I was in the band, the guy that had played it before me, he played it real cartoony. So my my mask had these big kind of Groucho Marx looking uh, eyebrows. It it just it was real cartoony. I was like shit. I don't look mean. I don't look fucking. I don't look angry. But anyway. Well, I got to tell you, man, you know, like I discovered Guar uh, when I was in prison. Like years I had seen Guar. Me too. I'm just joking. In a newspaper or something. Yeah. Well, when you were in prison, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Where, where were you? Huntsville? Uh, yeah, exactly. I, I, I see. I had read about Guar and, you know, uh, a very uh, it was like a newspaper article. And it basically was just talking about how terrible this whole thing is. And then years <laughs> later. Um, I was listening to some college radio station, and I heard Slaughterama for the first time. That's a jam. I went, you know, I, I actually like that. That's pretty cool. And then, you know, that's where, you know, you're not going to hear a whole lot of guar, but uh, not on your know, radio, unless you catch it on, like, college radio or some shit. And then um, when I got home, I actually went and saw guar before you and I re, uh, reconnected in Dallas. So I saw him at, I think, like, the Button South or some shit. That was my first time seeing Guar, and uh, needless to say, I was mind fucked when his giant penis was squirting white shit all on the all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'll do it. I mean, you never forget so, that first time. And then time. after that was when we connected. Oh no! Especially when there's a giant penis on stage squirting white stuff yeah. all on it. Insane. Yeah, you never, but, um, you didn't sign up for that. You, know, you just wanted to go see a rock band. Yeah, well, exactly. yeah I, I knew there were costumes and I knew there were props, but I, you know, and I had heard about the blood. Mm-hmm. Not, not the giant fucking dick shooting a, shooting his load all over the house. Yeah. Was, was, but, no, uh, no, it was that. <laughs> but I remember just, uh, like, 
uh, really getting into the sound, like the whole gimmick, Dave's vocals. Like I said, okay, man, I, I can actually groove with this. But on yeah. a, what is it, the 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 AV AV Club dot Yeah, yeah. Uh, where they they do a cover of uh, Carry On. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's they my favorite, That's my favorite version. Yeah, <laughs> they did it really good. They they really did it well. Musically, yeah. it was insane, and, and Dave nailed it too. You know, I was like, oh, wow. he did. I mean, to, to digress about, I I feel like Dave Brocky had one of the great all time, and I'll say punk voices, mm-hmm. because he wasn't. A, you know, he would scream and do his thing, but Dave had a punk voice, and and to me, in the vein of Leonard Phillips from the Dickies or Jello Biafra, you know the the great, just quirky punk voice that that doesn't sound like anyone else. Like no one's ever gonna sound like Dave Rocky or ever has or ever will. And I always thought that. And his voice was just every night he'd open his mouth, even to speak. Like you know, he did look nothing like you would have expected him to look out of costume. But when he opened that mouth just to talk, it's like, oh, that's Odorous Urungus. You know, it's just his voice. Just see, he embodied it, you know. Yeah, I miss that guy a whole lot, man. <clears throat> yeah, you introduced me to him a couple of times, and we actually stood around and shot the ship for a little bit. He was really, really cool, man. But he it was, was funny because, man. The, like you said, Odorous Urungus is not the guy that you would expect to meet after the show with the preppy shirt talking about his Totally. He wore Nike <laughs> golfing. He wore Nike golf Nike golf clothes. Like he golfed every day. You know, he just yeah, he, he was wasn't talking about his tea time. <laughs> exactly. He never missed that, you know. Yeah, he was he was just the best, man. We played a Riot Fest, Rise Against and Guar, and at the time those guys had never met Dave, they had met some of the other guys, Brad, the drummer, Michael Dirks, the guitar player, because we're still family, you know, we still, if I'm in Richmond or if they're in Texas, you know, I, we all cannot see each other, but it never worked for Brocky, and it was such a broad, it's such a swath of, like, who Dave was, so I walked Tim, our singer, over to meet him, and Dave is completely naked, and he has a towel around him, and he's sweating, he's in the truck, I don't know what he was doing, it was the middle of the day, <laughs> and he met Tim and immediately told an off-color joke. Just kind of like, hey, I'm Dave, by the way, and just told the most offensive, crazy joke. And Tim was just like, okay, that's exactly what I expected. And then <laughs> that night, we went on the bus with Joe, our bass player, Joe Principe, yeah. and Brandon Barnes, our drummer. And Dave just talked about World War II like a historian, by the way. I mean, like a college professor talked about World War II to these guys for probably an hour and a half. You know, he was just, he was a renaissance man. I mean, in the true term, you know, total renaissance man. But, uh, yeah. But anyway, yeah, I'm glad you got to meet him. That's that's awesome. <clears throat> yeah, no, it was a real cool experience. And uh, it's funny because yeah. when he passed away, I, you know, needless to say, it was a bummer. But um, like many of my experiences, old friend, I owe that to you. Like I oh, uh, said before, you, I was developing my, my, my quote-unquote punk sensibilities. Um, like I, I told Damien the story. My foray into the world of punk, I, I make no bones about it, was was very racial. And that I had a white friend who was a skinhead, but uh at and at that point all I, I to me, all skinheads were Nazis, right? That's all I knew. Um, sure. and then he and he taught me about the scene and the differences and you know, I, I used to ride home with him from work and we had this rule, it was his car, his music. And this <laughs> is where I, you know, all of a sudden I'm listening to, you know, the Dead Kennedys and the Angry Samoans and SOD and MDC yeah. and this is shit I had never heard before. And you know, I remember one of my favorite songs, and I still to this day remember it vividly. I dedicate this song to the Jello Biafra, because I yeah. fucked his wife. It's called I Hate You. 
Like, dude, what's, what kind of song is this, man? What yeah. the hell is this? That's um, awesome. So rolling with Wes, my buddy Wes, you know, he then I'll never forget, he gave me a cassette tape. And on that raggedy-ass cassette tape, on one side was Bad Brains, Eye Against Eye. Yeah. And on the other side was uh, 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 Uplift Mofo Party Plan. And oh, my God. It was in Texas with you guys that, like, I knew of Bad Brains and I knew of the Chili Peppers and I knew of Fishbone. I knew of these other bands because of my introduction from Wes. But if I'm not mistaken, I want to say you guys gave me my first fishbone cassette like i think somehow somebody gave you one or you had an extra one and you gave it to me yeah maybe and, uh, so. yeah that i that's i think you guys were my actual introduction to fishbone if i'm not Dude, mistaken so those early records are so fucking great those are uh, uh, the first like four of fishbone I, I records. Know for a fact 24 7 spies i knew of because of you guys you guys <laughs> do you know that band damien oh absolutely caroline records they used to play shows yeah. like well, Youth of the Day, and there's all sorts of crazy flyers I've seen with 247. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was good stuff, man. Yeah, so at that time, like, you know, the music that I was introduced to and, and, and my musical tastes and sensibilities at that time especially were influenced by you guys a lot because hanging out with you, talking about music, I was learning new music, stuff that I wasn't into, and, you know, I, I became into it. So even then, like, you left a la- my time with you guys left a lasting impression going forward. Well, absolutely on this end, too. When I told my brother and Billy that I had reconnected with you, they freaked out. And Billy was like, dude, you got to give me his number. And, but is he on Facebook? You know, the whole thing. He's just like, he's in Houston, dude. We got to go down there, man. We need to hang out. You know, he's a high school teacher now. Like, he's Billy Drews is a yes, dude. He is a high school teacher. And he's like every kid's favorite teacher. He, he's kicking ass. He's got twins and. Uh, yeah, he's, it's, I still talk to him every day, man, every day, but uh, we need to make a trip. We need to all get together, man. For sure, man. I, I, I can come out there. You guys come here, whatever. I mean, I'm always up for a road trip, but that's, that's Absolutely. definitely up that, man. Cause I remember, yeah, yeah. Here, here, here was forbidden cause. Oh, we had Jesus. Zach playing guitar with his long curly ringlets and and you had Donnie, who was you know the the older brother, composed and kind of quiet, except when he and he and Zach would get into it about you know what they thought would be better, and, and it, I, it would just it, I, it was like leave it to Beaver to me watching you two argue because it was so <laughs> it wasn't it, it, like there was there was no anger or hostility. It was both both of you kind of like pleading with each other. No, but shouldn't it be like this? But no, that's it ex- should be like this. But that's exactly how it is, still. No, but really, it should be like this. That <laughs> was great. And Billy was the the the, the you know, and and this is gonna sound so fucked up, but I was just thinking back to South Park, when uh, <laughs> when when uh, 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 wants to start a boy band, and he says, "No, I, I get to be the tough one. Every boy band has a tough one." Well, Billy was the tough one. He was. He was. <laughs> oh, he didn't take any shit. <laughs> and we called it Forbidden Cause. It's so terrible. Billy was but... Nathan Explosion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was exactly. But Damien, you you made this happen. Dudes, well, you, you, I, I, I can't keep you guys longer because I could keep you guys talking about this all day um, because this is amazing that I got to do this because this is, as I said before, I've gotten to do a lot of cool things on this show. I've got to interview a lot of cool people, but knowing that this happened and playing some small role in making a conversation about this thing happen, my God, 
one of the proudest moments in Turned Out of Punk history by far. <laughs> Thank you, Damien. Thank you, man. I, I have to admit, it's pretty cool, man. It's pretty cool. It's I, amazing. It's amazing. You, you, you reconnected us, and now I, I want to continue and get back in each other's lives. This is, this is awesome, Damien. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Hey, thank you. Thank you, MVP. Oh, man, the pleasure was all mine, man. This was great. Thank you, Zach and MVP. Um, I assure you, this story of the two of them is not completely told yet. We will be doing more and more and more and more with these two people in the future, I assure you. But that is enough for now. Oh my gosh, was that great. Well, how, how do you possibly maintain after something so awesome? I'll tell you how we do it. Here on Turn Out a Punk... Next week, I am joined by someone that I've been hoping to have on for a super long time. Finally made it happen, and he is an incredible guest. Next week on the show, I'm joined by Jeff Rickley of the band Thursday, of United Nations, and uh, he, it is an incredible episode. Oh my gosh. There is, I don't know, I... I I was found out stuff about Jeff that I had no clue about, and... It has blown my mind wide open. We don't get very far into his journey, but as far as we get, the getting is good. So everyone, please join me next week on the show with Jeff and I having a cool conversation. Uh, Once again, though, if you would like to support this show, please go to iTunes, subscribe to it, write a review, rate it, tell all your friends about it. If you want to get in touch with us, go to Facebook.com, look up Turned Out a Punk. Uh, hit me up on social media at Left for Damien. Uh, you can also uh, check out the other podcast, Turn It Up Punk Footnotes. There's a very active mailbag on that. Send your mail into them. God, I got to go watch this Ascendant sound check. You know, like it, they do with these old punk covers. They're awesome. So uh, I'm going to let everyone go. Uh, until next week, go out there and make your own culture. And how cool is this? Thank you, everyone. Bye. <laughs>